Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Sand Job, the podcast that reads and reviews every issue of Neil Gaiman's seminal comic book series, The Sandman. I'm your host, Iris J. Pronouns are she or Z. Um, and I am extremely happy to be back here in the sand studios <laughs> with my two amazing co-hosts here <laughs> the sand uh, studios <laughs> that's where we're at right now yeah sure the the sand dunes yeah <laughs> yeah sand world uh, the sand castle <laughs> i like that one that one's my personal no, that's the sand castle. that's good yeah. that's good um yeah uh nero and jesse do you want to introduce yourselves no oh Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Figured out who I am from context close, damn it. <laughs> uh well I'm I'm Jesse, uh otherwise known as Jesse Gender, uh pronouns she they, and uh yeah, that's a me. Yeah, and I'm Nero, pronouns he him, and I'm excited to be back in the sandcastle. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. I made very the, nice the website here. we have now, sandjob.xyz. <gasps> Oh, sandjob.xyz go there it's great check it out i'm check looking it out. at it right now it's all sexy yeah. and stuff. check it out we also have a uh we have a mastodon which should be uh i believe it's sandjobpod at mass.to and um i will I'll also yes we'll link it in the show notes i'll also be making a uh co-host account for this show as well uh, because between the last episode and this one, uh, Twitter <laughs> collapsed. Which <Which> is <laughs> wild. Like capitalism in the form of Elon Musk happened to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it capitalism extremely happened very fast and bad. So uh, that's <laughs> that's a thing that we're going to be dealing with. Um, yeah. It was, it was like he was trying to he was trying to speed run capitalism was basically yeah. what he was trying to do. Let's just burn it all down to the ground. And, yeah. 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 For fun. I can't believe Twitter will die before Kissinger. <laughs> That's so fucked. <laughs> uh, anyway, I just comics. love I just love the I just love the stuff that he just did. He just like uh, there's all these things that were like being worked on in the background, but then when he got there, he's like, let just release it now and say that I did. It. Like, look at all the smart things that I did. And I'm like, no, these were like things that people were like working on before you got there, and you just released them yeah. before they were ready, and I'll just burn it he down so you get credits. That was all him. It's hilarious. It's it's hilarious and awful at the same time. Yeah. And I feel bad for everyone who works at Twitter, because fuck that man. Good old Eddie Stink. What will he do next? <laughs> um, but speaking of things that <laughs> don't stink, I got there. we've got some great issues of Sandman to talk about today. This is going to be the back half of uh, The Doll's House. For those of you following along, it's going to be issues 13 through 16, originally published in 1990. Um... This is a really good batch of uh, comics, and I'm excited to talk about them. Me uh, too. On the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So to start things off, Iris, future Iris, who's editing, put in the whooshy music here to indicate that I'm going into the first uh, plot summary. Uh, Men of Good Fortune 
It's Middle Ages as balls outside, and Morph Sandman <laughs> and his big sis Death decide to back up an unwitting mortal Hob Gadsden in the decision of a lifetime. He's just not going to die. Ever. The rest of the issue follows Dream and Hob's flowering friendship through the ages, and Morph realizes maybe it is okay to have a friend. Aww. Aww. This issue legit is like one of the best issues of the entire series. Yep. Um, it's got Michael Zuli on pencils, who is a... I think he mostly does, like, painting and shit nowadays, but, like, he <laughs> lends it this, like, real old-school, almost, like, almost scratchboard-adjacent sort of quality. It's very different from how Mike Drinchenberg and Malcolm Jones have been inking the book, and it looks very, like, oldie-timey. I really love it. Also, mm-hmm. the the... There must have been, like a pretty decent amount of research that went to like the outfits and like I was like, the, the designs on about. Sandman are great. Yes. They're really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is maybe my favorite one so far. Just in it's all, my, it's a good all rounder. It's my favorite. It's my favorite uh, of the entire run to be quite mm-hmm. frank. And also my favorite episode of the, the show followed by, uh, the autodrama. So it's just, it's just, it's just a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. yeah. That was a really good episode of the show. Um, it's, it's really great that like they, this is kind of part of the same sort of through line that we see with death and dream at, the, in a sound of her wings. where like death has kind of already had her whole character arc of, I should maybe start giving a shit about people and dream still has not hit that point yet. And this is kind of about her like sort of gently nudging the baby bird of his mind out of its own nest, uh, towards Mm -hmm. maybe seeing people as something other than like insects. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's great that they just managed to drag this total rando into this. And, uh, I really like Hobbs. I think Hobb is an interesting character. I think it's cool that we get to see, like, a dude who can, like, exist on the same level as the Endless and just, like, kind of keep going. I remember the first time I read this when I was a teenager. I just really like the idea of, like, because you read so many stories about, like, ah, this person craved immortality, but then they got it and it was a terrible curse. Do not do this, friends. I love that this dude is just, like, Hell yeah. Immortality fucking rules. Even when shit's bad, he's like, I still want to see what happens next. I don't want to die yet. I want to see what happens. That's cool. I, I love his like his philosophy at the beginning where it's just like, yeah, death is just a choice y'all make because you're idiots. Like, you all, I'm not going along with this bullshit. <laughs> like, I love that. It's just a concept is like, that's how he sees it. It's like, oh yeah, we all just choose to die and you're all just because you're idiots. <laughs> y'all are just cowards. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Have you just tried not dying? Have you? Me? I'm built different. We're simply not the same. <laughs> I did love, what is it? Hob is like, essentially like, invents slavery and Dream is like, maybe don't do that. Yeah, he does yeah. kind of invent slavery. That is that is something that he uh, he bankrolled there back in the, uh, I think it's the 1700s. Yeah. yeah it's that period. Yeah. It's the one with uh, Johanna dude. Constantine. I do um, also just... Uh, one thing I really like with this issue is it's got, like, a lot of, like, layered panels, which I'm, like, a sucker for. Like, there's ones that kind of, like, uh, like 
overlap on each other and like they do it really well i'm a i'm a fan it looks nice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah page 12 i think where it's um mm-hmm. it's shakespeare and kit marlowe talking to each other which like you know if if you're an english literature buff you already know it's them but um it's great how like Shakespeare is essentially like sucking up to Marlowe and like there's a panel that's kind of like at a little bit of an angle so it has a little bit of three-dimensionality popping out from the rest of the page with him giving a soliloquy from Marlowe's play where the background just drops out and it's like oh Mm. he's like he's like sort of basking in the glow of this like awesome line that he remembers from his mentor's uh, production. It's so great to like we're going to see a lot of fucking Shakespeare in this story. So it's so great to see him as just like some guy, some douchebag some, who uh, yeah, does some not dude. yet matter. And yeah, and just like, it's just like, he's like a crap playwright who only gets his powers from like having, uh, from, uh, from like making a deal with, uh, with dream. With dream. Yeah. yeah. I like the just dreams fits in this. So fucking good. I think my favorite of his is like the 1600s where he's like, He's got the floofy shirt with the bows and the hat. Mm. That's and he's like, good got the, shit. That's a good one. I also like the one where he has like the, the beard uh, when he's talking yeah. about Shakespeare, too. That's also really nice. That's so the, like, good. Yep. I also, uh, one other thing to talk about, too, is we should talk about like the um, the uh, the uh, woman of the night, as they say, or they call her the hospital. Uh, in, oh yeah, for the Victorian period. Uh, yeah, Lushing Lou. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who like gets drawn as like like this like horrific figure because of uh, small. I think it's what does it say? Smallpox is it or what? Did, uh, yeah, it's yeah the pox. It could. I pox. mean, that could mean a bunch of different things. It's a little dehumanizing. Yeah, our, our first look at sex work work in this, and it's just kind of like, oh, okay, that's nasty. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, um, it's a bit but, unfortunate. Yeah. It was it was bad. Uh, I wasn't going to bring it up. Uh, I think I think it's I think it's worth. I think it's worth slavery, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's worth mentioning. It's it's a dehumanizing look at like sex workers, and it's not great. <laughs> no, but you know, it's like oh, the neighborhood's gone. We're sure, gone in a place since the last time we looked. Whoa, I do think it's interesting that um, over time, the conversation that goes on inside of the bar. Uh, kind of tends to loop around to the same things over and over. I thought that was a cute touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there's a joke about, like, a vicar that they're telling on the first page, and then they're telling the same joke on the last page in the modern version of the White Horse Pub. Um, yeah. And also talking about, like, like uh, oh, there's too much taxes. Oh, shit, it's the end times. Oh, man. <laughs> Which is a great little, like, the more things change, the more they stay the same touch. Yeah, I thought um, that was nice. It's like, oh yeah, thing. Oh, I also do love Dream's modern, like extreme goth band fit on the last page too. Like that's like Hair. style icon. <laughs> Extremely a mullet. It's super nineteen ninety right now. Hell yeah. I uh, what was the other thing too? I just to compare too. It's also interesting uh, what they do with this in the uh, the TV show. I know we mentioned it before. Um, but like with the TV show, with this storyline, they mesh it with the, uh, the sound of her wings, 
mm-hmm. so they're like literally like the same story like told that the they sort of like loop in on each other in the same mm-hmm. episode but then also because one like interesting quirk of it is because they set that version of the sandman in the modern day like he gets released in the modern day as opposed to in the 80s here uh because they meet every 100 years he actually misses their meeting in the tv show to like line up with mm-hmm. the timeline which i thought was like yeah. a really cool like clever uh concept yeah. and like he has to go out of his way to like find yeah. him well i think it's implied in the show that it's not just that it's that hob actually bought the new the- tavern after the old one gets knocked down and he's just mm-hmm. keeping it open for when morpheus comes by which is a great touch like i i knew you'd be a little late i i was i've been waiting for you okay mm-hmm. no it was that's great. cute yeah god just kiss already right <laughs> so clear. wonder what that ao3 tag looks like i have to believe that there are at least a few fix in there I i'm sure there believe. has to be i'm sure there has to be i don't even mm-hmm. need to believe i'm confident that it exists someone wrote it right i'm gonna find out i'm gonna find out in like five seconds <laughs> uh one last thing about this issue um i do like the appearance of lady johanna constantine it's implied that like all of Constantine's ancestors are like either con artists or magicians. We do end up seeing her in a later story, uh, Thermidor, which is quite a ways into the series. We won't be getting to that for a while, but this is our first little preview of her. Um, in the show, they just make John Constantine, they, they gender flip her for the show. And she just has mm-hmm. like, an ancestor just happens to look just like her and is played by the same actress, but... Yeah, it's, with uh, 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 Clara Oswald from Doctor Who, who I love. Yeah! Uh, she gets a bad rap, but everyone everyone dislikes her, but I always liked her, so... Uh, I don't know why people dislike her. I don't Probably know. most Doctor from her, Ma- her, her, Matt, her Matt Smith days, because when she was with Matt Smith, I, she didn't work as well. But when she was oh. with uh, when she was with um, Peter Capaldi, she was great. Oh, hmm. Okay. I am learning so much. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else about this issue that we wanted to hop on? There are 1,582 works in the Dream of the Endless slash Hob Gadling tag. Oh, <laughs> fuck, yes! Yep, told you, told you. <laughs> oh, that's so much. A king's ransom. 329 mm-hmm. are explicit, and the top one has, like, art and, like, an animation. So I I think what? people are like invested in this. Yo, I gotta see that later. Holy <laughs> smokes, that's just a lot. <laughs> but yeah, good, good issue. Good issue. One of the ships of all time. Moving on. Uh, this was merely a a little side diversion from the plot of the Doll's House. In our next issue, we get back to it with the collectors. We finally made it to the fucking Evil Guy evil convention. convention. Hell yeah, we uh, did it. Yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> Gilbert and Rose check into a rural Georgia hotel that's hosting a quote-unquote serial convention that's actually an expo for serial killers. Featuring oh, special it's guests. a pun. Yeah, gotcha. Featuring special guests and secret escape nightmare, the Corinthian. After predictably running afoul of some of the convention attendees, Rose calls out the name Gilbert gave to her in case of emergencies. Morpheus! And Morph shows up to melt Cory, find Jet in the trunk of Cory's car, and give the entire con a deep-seated existential crisis. Uh, this, 
So, like, I have this theory where, like, mm-hmm. every every writer who works within the mien of, like, kind of, to, to use a, for a lack of more precise terms, geekdom, like sci-fi, fantasy, specfic, comics, whatever, mm-hmm. I feel like all of them have at least one weird convention story in them. Like, I'm going to write a book, and it's going to be about going to a con. Um, <laughs> Diana Wynne Jones did it. Fucking Kevin Smith did it with Chasing Amy. Uh, <laughs> this is Neil's I went to a con and here's my, my comic about going to a con story. And it's, I think it's, it's got some highs and lows. I think it's really fascinating. <laughs> so much is happening. So much yeah. is happening. <laughs> Right from like, right from like the opening. I want to. I want to note in the opening two pages, we get like the idea of like these are mostly dudes. They're not like cool looking dudes, and like there's a dude in like kind of like shitty party city Tom of Finland outfit at the front. So it's like okay, so we're getting out of the way that they are quote sexual deviants unquote. Uh, I was gonna point that one out. Yeah, here as well. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and there's like one dude wearing like a tech, like a tech, like a very clear like Texas thing going on here. Yeah, yeah. big Tex. He's literally shows up on a convention panel later, and his name is I think it's El Dorado. So <laughs> that that's about the offensive. biggest Tex you can get. It's really interesting too because like even though that they're like it is a convention for serial killers, it's very bad. But also like we follow um the convention organizer Nimrod through like trying to keep everything organized. And so much of it is also just about the mundanity of trying to keep a convention running. Uh, mm. You know, the main the main guest speaker is dropped out. Uh, they're trying to make sure that people who get into the event are people who actually belong at the event. He doesn't seem to have, like, an amazing relationship with the guy who, like, owns the hotel. Uh, it's... It's weird to be like, okay, this it's there's a very black comedy angle to it where it's like this is the these people are all terrible people, but also like I've I've had to go to shows like this. It's I you know, we organize yeah. an online streaming convention, so I know how much of a pain in the ass it is to put conventions on. So mm-hmm. in some ways I kind of feel for this guy. But also But also He's a serial not good. killer. He is a serial killer, and he he does have some major problems with women. Most yeah. of these dudes seem to. Uh, yeah, and then there's also like the very clear uh, child molester and killer dude. Uh, yeah, Funland, not fun. Yeah. Funland. Yeah, which uh, here's just to refer to a change from the TV show and the comics. In the comic, he doesn't um, he doesn't get killed, and I think it's partially because like, oh, he seems childlike, so we don't want to murder him. But like, no, he's a terrible dude. And in the show, they they fucking murder his ass, which very good choice. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Not that I advocate, like, murdering people for justice right. in real life, but, but in like, storytelling, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm not going to cry over it. Uh, yeah. I think it's interesting how the title page for this co- for this story doesn't come in until, like, several pages in. So it feels kind mm-hmm. of like a um, in medias res cold open, which is really interesting. And yeah. um, it's marked by this weird, like photo collage of like an American flag made of blood dripping over all these people's faces, which you have to assume are like mug shots of various serial killers. The, the photo collage stuff. This is great. Yeah. The collage stuff in this issue is really good. This is like, 
Dringe and Jones back on top. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, a couple pages before that is um, the version of Red Riding Hood that Gilbert tells to Rose while they're hanging out in her room, which is, like, a very, like, fucked up and edgy early version of Red, Red Riding Hood, which I thought mm-hmm. was great. And it's, like, it's done on this two-page spread where it's kind of... The panels that tell the story travel sort of along the edges of this big, dark brushwork portrait of several, like, wolves baring their teeth and staring out at the viewer. And it's such a great way of, like, setting readers on edge with a really unexpected confrontation. Yeah, it really is. It's it's also like great to like talk about like how uh, things on the surface, like stories that we tell, are very different when you go back in time, which I thought was really great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will say my minor minor nitpick. Uh, uh, the French guy mentioned in this Charles Perrault. Uh, he mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't invent this. <laughs> he didn't invent Red Red Riding Hood. Well, but. they said he he invented the Red Hood part, but not the story. Yeah, he yeah because he, he talks because because he, he talks about oh. like uh oh not even that part. No, no, that, that oh. was <laughs> People can fight me in the inbox about it if they want. Oh, they're oh, gonna come after you. They're gonna get you. Yeah, yeah. The Charles Perrault stands are really gonna be after your ass this time. <laughs> hey, you never you never know. <laughs> well, see, there, there's a lot of little, like, uh, comic, like, formalist, like, bits and bobs in this that I do like. Like, when um when Nimrod calls Funland fun and he's, like, angry about it, like, the panel, like, splits in half. And then the, the ones directly right after that, like, the panel is, like, fine to, like, yeah. show that he's, he's unstable. Ah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, like a minor break in the mask a little bit. Yep. Yeah, yeah. What else? Is, I'm similarly, trying to make... oh, sorry. oh, sorry. Oh no. Oh, similarly, I love the I love the um, the page where Nimrod is giving the opening speech, and like there's these like tiny little panels of him nervously giving what might be the worst opening joke <laughs> in the history of forever, uh, next to a much more delicately cross-hatched shot of him cutting somebody up in a fucking shed out in the woods while he's naked. Um, <laughs> just to yeah. kind of parody the, the the sort of, like, ridiculousness of this dude having stage fright while also uh, killing people as a hobby. Um, and him trying to... Like, it's... They're both very clearly, like, avenues for him trying to process his total anxiety uh he just tends to process it in terrible ways yeah and i like how like once he gets the laugh the the panels are also much more like drawn steadily as the other ones are like Mm -hmm. have like much like are sort of off kilter Mm -hmm. he gets a little more breathing room he's he's a little more like on his game Mm -hmm. i also Um, like the story of the um the reporter who like pretends to be a serial killer and but actually is like a writer for this magazine called chaste um it's like a fucked up nazi bondage magazine but he's still like i could never take lives myself but i love what you people do yeah it's like oh this little little incel boy wants to try and like do his best but he can't (laughs) oh yeah that dude 
would absolutely be on 8chan today. For oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I love how they just like, they just straight up like, oh, bad choice. And they like murder them all together. And just like, oh, we're just going to yeah. do a little, it's like an artist collab, you know? You're like, I take people's eyes. He, this guy takes people's skins. You know, this dude just cut and guts people like an animal. We're all, we could, we could be, we, we compliment each other. We can share. We can share. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work, you know? <laughs> hey, quite literally in this case. Yeah, yeah it, it really does. Um, that bit was, I mean, I will say, like, there's, we, here in America, I don't know what, I can't speak for other parts of the world. Here in America, our pop what? culture has You're an American, you can. Weird... You're, you're, of course you can speak for other co- cultures around I the world. I can, you're but I will That's not. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm here, joking. Here in the United States, we have this weird sort of fixation with serial killers. A, an unhealthy fixation. Yeah. It's where it's like, we hear about these these fucked up, like, loner dudes who decide to exact their idea of justice or absolution or just like like joy or something by like hurting people and killing people and like you know there's a constant conversation that's been going on since you know before the 90s and certainly up till today about Mm -hmm. like whether we should be putting as much of a spotlight on these people at all as we do. Like there was that Netflix documentary about Jeffrey Dahmer, yet another Jeffrey Dahmer Netflix documentary that came out like last year. And the family of one of the victims was really pissed off about it because one of the actresses like basically took her entire performance inspiration from like actual court footage. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's with serial killer stuff with true crime stuff in general, uh, what does it say about us as a culture that we're kind of, we're so eager to trivialize uh, tragedy in the name of base entertainment? Like, mm-hmm. when we watch this stuff, what is that saying about us? And, like, the whole bit where they tie, like, the whole concept of the fake boogeyman is kind of, kind of, like, rings a little bell there where it's like we the viewing public are also kind of that guy where we're we're also getting to sneak into the serial killer convention and see what these guys are like when their masks are off that's yeah. that's the allure behind this whole issue uh mm-hmm. and there's there is you know there's an erotic component to it with him and there's sort of an erotic component to it with us when they tie him up to that fucking tree and corinthian has him smoke a last cigarette with his tits out. That's like, okay, so this is this is what gets you off, isn't it? This is, this, to you viewers, this is what you came here for, right? Um, it is very sexual. <laughs> yeah. It's, this, this book does conflate queerness a lot with sort of this seedy serial killer underbelly too, which is kind of iffy, but also as kind of a side thesis to that whole idea of this is like this weird, this sort of like warped form of desire that we want to be voyeurs into. Uh, We also, I mean, speaking of queerness too, we should also like talk about the fact that like the one trans person that appears in this is just murdered. And we get very uh, like, Oh, look at uh, her murdered body naked. Yeah. Yeah. She is the one, the one character who we see like, 
in full, like a full dead body. And it's a pre-op transsexual, as they say in the book. Uh, and it's like being talked about by like these two dudes at a bar. One dude's like, oh yeah, I've killed, I've killed so many dudes, 171 dudes. And the guy's like, I've killed eight. And then the first guy's like, whoa, eight? That's nothing. That's chicken shit, man. And he's like, oh yeah, well, I'm selective. I I'm only do Dutch. And then like yeah. the first guy's like, whoa, that's so fucked up man i mean it speaks, Whoa, to like man. Je- it speaks to like jeffrey dahmer too with like jeffrey dahmer killed a lot of gay men and how like that was sensationalized like, as you were just talking about too it's just like it's oh, yeah. and just like the disposableness of of lgbtq people in in media um, yeah just seen as like yeah we can just like you know whatever we can just kill queer people it's fine they're not as human as the rest of us yeah yeah, yeah. corinthian himself only targets young boys Mm-hmm. He's definitely channeling a. Uh, they gave him a big Dahmer energy. Mm-hmm. Very much so, for sure. Like Dahmer, but a little sexier, you know, a little more of a bad boy, you know. Kind of, kind of like how he's depicted in the recent show. I mean, it just it's all yeah. back in on itself. <laughs> yeah. Neil Gaiman is saying it's okay to want to fuck this Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, Rose even says, is it this issue? Or is it, it might be next issue, but like Rose is in, like they're in an elevator with her, it's her and Fiddler's Green, and then Corinthian comes in, and she's like, uh, she leaves like, oh yeah, some of those serial people were pretty like, cute. Mm. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 we need to have that in here, Gaiman? <laughs> mm. Yes, yes, he must. Apparently so. You know what we needed I'm less sorry. of, though? Uh, Neil Gaiman's desire to call the single Asian serial killer dog soup. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was ep- a perplexing choice. Epic and yeah. based Gaiman moments. Like, that was almost that would almost that whole bit was almost a good joke where she's like, "Oh, she like we're having a panel on women in serial killing, and the other ones are pissed at her because they they adhere to very like classic like oh killer nurse." Uh, killer widow tropes and she's like yeah i'm a yuppie i'm like a an upwardly mobile female professional and my profession is murdering people that's a great joke why did you have to make why did you have to make her name that that sucks so hard yeah it's such yeah. a funny bit otherwise mm-hmm. <sighs> that's on the same page as the as like um there's another panel called there is no sanity clause which i thought was great that's funny um, that's perfect yeah with a guy like who is also a serial killer saying like, well, I'm a psychiatrist and uh, I, I think we're pretty normal. Actually. I think we're <laughs> like actually super cool and normal people. So we shouldn't feel bad about this. <laughs> um, which I thought was really funny. And by funny, I mean, sad. Yeah. Cause it <laughs> rings true. Uh, mm. that someone would say that. Yeah. Um, we should also talk about like the the Corinthian giving a speech and Dream confronting him, too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think that it's interesting that in the television show, the Corinthian kind of seemed like he was he's sort of this like, ooh, like he's he's the he's the man behind the strings. He's he's making all this happen and shit. We're in this making the comic. Yeah, in this comic, he is clearly motivated by one thing and one thing alone and that is to have a good fucking time he just wants to do what he does and people just love him for that people just love that he's like yeah i i don't have a reason why i kill people other than 
I think that we're special and I think that we are, we are important. We're the protagonists of our own stories. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a commentary on story. And also it's very much kind of it. I guess it like rhymes a little bit with the, the what well, was it? Umberto Eco's like Ur fascism essay where it's about how like, it's easy to make monsters out of people who feel disenfranchised and where you can tell them, oh yeah, by doing this, you can become special. You be- you can become the main character, you know? Yep, exactly. And also, like, we, it's compared, he even says we are entrepreneurs in an expanding field, so I'd like making an explicit connection to, like, uh, like just the way that we sort of like venerate uh, like people and like allow them to get away with heinous stuff because it sort of says like yeah you're 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 the hero you know I do I do fucking love the panel where he just like we finally get a good ass shot of the teeth coming out of his eyeballs which is so nasty it's they draw it so gross it's so great and then pretty much immediately after on the next page uh, dream like melts him. And they do it in like this brushwork that is like, it's, yeah. it's not like, it's not like really goopy or anything, but it is, it is like inherently gross to look at. It's really mm-hmm. cool. Also, he's got a very tiny skull, which the he's skull also tiny, is a little, little skull. Like, yeah. Yeah. Dream picks up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love, I just love the use of like changing inking mediums as a way of punctuating certain emotional points or like actions or like vibes it's very cool it's very thinking outside the box yeah i also really like uh that he just dream sort of tells everybody here just like you know you you create uh you create comforting daydreams about yourself you know you tell yourself that you're the hero as as we were just talking about and then he's like nah you all know that you are just little and mean nothing uh you will you'll never have that dream again God, yeah. he, ju- he just rocks their shit. It's great. I hope oh. Corinthian comes back. I want to see him do more. Great news. He does. You will, you will. Oh, good. <laughs> You'll get some more of your little favorite little guy, your favorite tooth oh, he's, guy. You're a he's special not, little guy. Not for a while, but he does come back. He he's does. not he actually, my special um, little guy. He got his own, I think it's over now, but he got his own um, miniseries after the Dreaming relaunch. Like Did a couple. He? Oh. Yeah, yeah. American mm-hmm. Nightmare. Or no, uh, Nightmare Country. That's it. American Nightmare oh, was the Alan that Wake that game. Yeah, yeah. It was all about him. I did not um, know that that's what that was. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, this is a really... This is a really intense fucking issue. I could spend an entire hour just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God. Um, I love the one page that, like... We're, we're get, like just drops everything else and just focuses specifically on this one dude's face talking about how he first got into murdering people. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, there's a, there's the, it's again, like, like a sort of an almost charcoal type drawing and it's separated by, uh, gutters that imply each one is a single panel, but it's not like those are representing moments in time so the gutters are really only there to act as kind of like a cage that we're peering through at this person this whole issue is about like there's so many like voyeur sort of vibes to that where we're like this dude is addressing us the readers directly about Mm. why he does what he does and you know 
we're supposed to sit with that after that about like, okay, like we're having a lot of fun here with all these goofy cartoon characters, but uh, these people are real and you need to reckon with the fact that some of them may not be so different from you or me. Um, mm-hmm. It's freaky. Good stuff. Good issue. Good stuff. Great issue. Do we, did you have anything else to say about this or do we want to move on? I, I, know, I, 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 have, I have one tiny thing. Sure. Not going to lie. The lettering in this is not so good in some spots uh like there's there's parts where like stuff is real like close to the edge uh like the the last page there's one of the the uh fourth text box like forget is on its own line and it's like super squunched in there and it makes me wonder like were there last minute dialogue changes for this where uh the letterer had to rewrite things without changing the size of the box because the art is already done maybe it's it's an oddly off issue for todd klein the guy who's won every eisner ever for lettering yeah that's Uh, that's why i was like thinking about i was like this is this is todd klein so like what's what's up there but what's up man yeah some of the uh some of the word balloons are pretty crowded as well i think also that's like this tries to fit like almost like a like a movie length script into the size of like you know 38 pages so it's it's moving at a breakneck pace a lot of the pages have like at least seven panels on them which is a lot Mm -hmm. um you could probably do like a series that is just about like this convention honestly like this could be its own graphic novel oh absolutely but we got places to be, baby. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, moving on, uh, our next mm. issue is Into the Night, and it has my favorite cover out of the whole series. Got a good shot of um, Chantal and or Zelda the Spider Lady on the cover Ooh, there. Yeah. Um, back in Florida, we're back at the boarding house. Gilbert is MIA, Jed's in the hospital, and Rose is ready to get some rest, except... Her dream vortex powers inconveniently awaken. She pulls down the walls between the dreams of everyone in the house, and they all get sucked into a big, impressive-looking psychic cyclone. Gilbert reveals to Matthew that Dream has been following Rose in order to kill her and prevent the entire dreaming from collapsing, the only time he's allowed to take a human life. Uh, This issue... Yo, the comic formalist in me fucking loves this issue <laughs> oh yeah there's so much weird shit going on in this i'm every so page excited is just something random and new and i love that yeah everybody's we get looks inside of the dreams of everybody in the house um yeah. which like even like the straight people in the house we get like a window into their whole thought process which is great like they present them. We've they presented themselves previously in like issue two as like basically a package deal. They're like salt and pepper. They just go together. But their dreams couldn't be more different. Ken's dream is like this weird like like oh man like this mechanical like obsession with like money and sex and like just like raw boring ass urges similar to the guy robbing the uh the house in dream a little dream of me i want to say this is maybe a little bit more of a sharper satirical take on that kind of thing 
and Barbie's is like fucking She-Ra Princess of Power shit, where she like dreams these like really elaborate sort of Art Nouveau-y sort of panels where she's like on like a mythical quest and shit. She has a cool animal friend and they're off in a mystical Martin, world. Martin Tenbones. Oh, yeah, Martin Tenbones. Favorites. One of my favorites. You will see more of Martin Tenbones. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I'm a, I'm a fan of him. I'm a fan of Martin Tenbones. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just love the super detailed little panel work that she gets. It's so pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we also get a look inside Chantal and Zelda, who are... Who also have different, very different dreams. Yeah, yeah, even more like you would see them and think, oh, these two have basically been glued together since birth. But again, they're both really different fucking people. And I, I think I mentioned, like, the last episode, like, these two are the most lesbian couple in the Sandman series. And that's this is a series that has canonical lesbians, like, in it elsewhere as well. But these two are like, <laughs> I, I have known this couple. <laughs> um, Chantal is extremely, like... Extremely thinks of herself as, like, a very, like, mature, literate adult. But she's, like, she seems to have problems with trusting people and also letting people inside of her own brain. Uh, Meanwhile, Zelda, it's very heavily implied that she had, she went through some shit as a kid. And as such, still struggles to get in touch with, like, her inner child. Uh, Though she expresses it through very, like, traditionally gothic avenues. Yeah, um, it's like the spider wedding dress. That's wonderful. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They mention um, that uh, she says, uh, Mommy and Daddy told me to go away, so here I am in the old bone orchard. Nobody understands me. Nobody cares. No one else understands it. The beauty of the lost necropolis, the charnel charm. Oh, but Chantel comes along and shows me. She's my soul sister. Me and her true gothic heroines, secret brides of the faceless slaves, the forbidden house of the nameless knight of the castle of dread desire. Neil Gaiman actually uses the secret brides line as the title of another short story that got adapted into a comic later, which is interesting. It was apparently like a good line. Yeah. I remember him saying like, he wrote it down once as like a joke. And then he was like, man, that's good. I got to use that in something. So he stuck (laughs) it in this. And then later he recycled it for another thing because it was too good a line to just hide on one page of this series, I guess. But just like seeing the contrast between the two, but like it makes sense for them to be together because like, like Zelda is like without any sort of like ulterior motives mm-hmm. and Chantal that probably feels comfortable to Chantal and Chantal like gives Zelda a lot of stability. So it's like, Oh, I can see why these two work, but also I can see why these two wouldn't necessarily cure each other's like problems. They just dovetail nicely, which is, yeah, that's how it works with a lot of queer relationships is like, you don't like, fix your partner or partners you just like you kind of help each other get along you know yeah yeah mm. yeah mm. also we get a little glimpse into Hal's dreams where he's uh he's dreaming about drag stuff and I've, I've always been confused about this page i wasn't sure whose face it was in the last panel is it his own or what did you think about that i thought it was his own that was my thought process I couldn't tell, honestly. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. Uh, oh, you know what? Okay, I I looked at my notes. It's supposed to be the the um, 
uh, Frank Morgan, the guy who plays the wizard in Wizard of Oz. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That, that which makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. The man behind the curtain. I uh, see. Because if you it's haven't just for listeners, you haven't look at this this panel. It has uh, Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. Then she rips off her face, and it's the and it's the Wicked, Wicked Witch, Witch. Mm-hmm. and then yeah. rips off face again. I guess it's it's Oz, which is interesting. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Having to layer masculinity, hiding it behind twin veils of beauty, and then monstrousness. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, queer themes. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I get that. I get that feel. Try not also like waiting for like the hottest Hollywood starlets in history, like about to tell him the big secret of looking like a hot ass girl, and then like he fucking wakes up before they can say it. Which like the Give fucking the luck. <laughs> One weird trick. Cis people hate it. Um. <laughs> We get some real, like, funky-ass panel ordering shit, too. Like, when the dreams start to bleed together, we start to get more overlap between the sections. And eventually, like... My favorite page in the whole issue is probably the one where it's, like, Rose, like, awakening to her powers and reaching out. And we see literally a doll's house cutaway of everybody's different dreams. Yeah, which is so um, cool. Yeah. Like, sort of... Segmenting them with different colors, and also there's like collagey bits that are like architectural drawings underneath that. It's just like, oh yeah, oh my god, thinking about this, sexy. And we get a we get an on on panel gay male kiss, which is nice. Mm-hmm. The men are kissing. Good the for men them. are kissing. That's more than we got in the fucking show. That is true. Love yeah. wins. Love wins. Hey, gay Love rights. Wins. Am I right? At the end of the day. I mean, Neil, Neil Gay Man says gay rights. <laughs> he better. <laughs> he tries his best. He's trying. The man is trying. He's not succeeding, but he's trying. He's doing, he's doing, he's doing, he's doing his best. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do love the, the page that's the, the house, but it's got all the snippets from their dreams and yeah, it, that's fun. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, I love oh, okay. that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the immediate two-page spread after that is the actual dream vortex, where like it's rose, rose surrounded by like some weird sort of ink wash work, and then you physically have to turn the comic on its side to read, to read them all the characters, the other house members as their dreams run into each other, and they get sucked you- down the drain here. Yeah. It makes you have to turn it in a circle to read it all, like you're going down a vortex. Yeah, I, I love that. That's great. And same thing on the page after that, where uh, even um, more so on that page. To be fair, yeah, Morpheus gets sucked in, and he's like, he's like trying to stop her before uh, everything just gets sucked up and destroyed. Yeah, that's cool. So I'm just looking at these pages and I'm like, whoa, that's so fucking cool. I love comics. And then we like see how like uh, everyone reacts to uh, what we um, uh, like dream stopping her and like they all wake up and we see like Ken uh, and Barbie sort of like separate. They don't like hold each other. But then uh, comparatively, Chantal and Zelda like wake up and they like they don't say anything to each other, but they hold each other. Yeah. 
But they, it does uh, say they, they like they held each other in the darkness like sisters. And I'm like they're sleeping naked together. Why? Why? Yeah, why it's it's like it's like the it's the the kinky lesbian form of sisters. Like oh, ah, yeah. she's my soul sister. She's like she's like a part of me, flesh and blood, baby. But not like, just, like like actually like 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 in a spiritual way. Yeah. I just think of like all the the old timey like uh, like um descriptions for like queer people where it's like uh yes her and her lifelong roommate and it's like yeah gal pals <laughs> gal pals <laughs> yes a confirmed bachelorette uh <laughs> but she does have a a live-in companion you know how it is <laughs> yeah you know how it is. Uh, you know hmm. probably like an assistant or something hmm. yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Then, a secretary yeah we do get we do get a very good like one of the most memorable jokes from this series is on this next page too, where she's uh, uh, Dream is with Rose, and he's taking her off to like a lonely mesa somewhere off in some far flung corner of the dreaming, uh, and he's like holding on to her as they both fly there, and she's like, "Say, whoever you are, do you know what Freud said about dreams of flying? It means you're really dreaming about having sex." And Morph is like, "Indeed." Tell me then, what does it mean when you dream about having sex? And Rose is just like, uh, where are we going again? <laughs> it's like, such I, a I didn't, stupid I didn't joke. think this through. Yeah. <laughs> it, it did get a chuckle out of me. As well it should, damn it. <laughs> we did also get the, the title of the doll's house on the, the preceding page, I oh, think. Yeah. Damn, this shit really is, turns the camera, a doll's house. Doll's house. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what is it? The the old woman is like, ah, oh, the doll's house, and she just, like, points to it. Oh, the doll's house. It's doll's the, house. It's, it, I'm pointing to it as if it's a thematic thing. Oh. There it is. This is just like that time in the last book where Dream said to John D, you gotta stop all these preludes. They're really getting in the way of my nocturnes. Nocturnes, yeah. <laughs> He's always saying that. He's you always are, saying this. I am the Sandman. <laughs> Neil Sandman's my name. <laughs> and sand is my game. I will say this is also like the most um very like not necessarily dream logic, but like fully in itself. Like we're we're doing like very fantasy shit here if that makes yeah. sense like it's very, this like, is it's, like it's plot quote unquote but like i don't know it's it's very it's very uh oh i'm trying to think of a good way to describe it that isn't like loosey goosey it's a it is a baseline for this series it yeah, is yeah. it is like where i would put the little piece of masking tape it's like level of fantasy bullshittery right about yes. here Sometimes it's higher and sometimes it's lower, but on average, like this is like the vertical slice. Yeah, like I I say fantasy bullshittery in like a a positive way. In a positive way, yeah, but you know. I love fantasy bullshittery. (laughs) I'm here for the. I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I wasn't here for the fantasy bullshittery, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who who isn't here for the fantasy bullshittery? Cowards. (laughs) One last thing. I, I do really like where Matthew goes to visit Gilbert. Watching mm-hmm. over Jed's, um, I keep, I gotta stop myself from fucking saying Jeb. It's not Jeb Bush. It's Jed, <laughs> Jed Walker. 
uh, sure. washing over Jed's body in the hospital, and it's a nine-page grid like of uh, Matthew flying through the hospital, and they only use sort of muted uh, blue and green sort of tones on a page that uses sort of like darkish purple gutters. So the entire page is kind of a low saturation look with very cool colors, and it's very... Uh, it does have this very antiseptic hospital sort of vibe. There's no life in these in this page. There's no fantasy as opposed to the the previous entire issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 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 did a good job of capturing that sort of like bleary eyed two a.m. sort of vibe for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else oh. about this issue? Uh, I'm gonna miss the green man. Yeah, Fiddler's green. Fiddler's green man. Please I was die. gonna talk about him. In this next bit, uh, last issue of the arc, Lost Hearts, Morpheus finally shows up in Rose's dream and explains he's got to put her down just like old Yeller. But wait, Rose's grandma Unity shows up and reveals that she was supposed to be the dream vortex. Things just got all messed up because she had a baby while she was sleeping, a baby we find out fathered by desire in disguise. Dream kills her instead, which, like, she was on her way out anyways, so NBD, and Rose and her family move to Seattle. Also, hey! Dream's pissed at Desire now, justifiably, but what else is new? Um, yeah, this is, I, I really, I really love the character of Fiddler's Green, where he kind of reveals his whole deal that he's a place that wanted to be a person, mm-hmm. uh, and we get to finally see what he looked like as a place, and he's this like beautiful, almost like like Japanese ukiyo-e inspired, like like lush verdant paradise setting. And based on him being like a mainstay of the dream, it's implied that he's like a, a place that a lot of people visit in their dream. Like it's like it's yeah, like a yeah, place that we will regularly go in our dream is Fiddler's Green. Mm-hmm. I mean, originally mm-hmm. Fiddler's Green was where dead sailors go when they died mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be like a, a a lush sort of paradise where they could live out eternity kind of like an elysian field situation but it was specifically yeah. like a sailor's legend so it's neat that like huh. yeah it's it's neat that he was popular enough that when he was missing dream was like man i fucking miss that guy i miss that homie he was such a good place it was such a cool. Uh, it was a cool place, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This issue is, it's it's okay. It ties up the ends. Yeah, it's, it's not it's my mostly, favorite issue of the whole arc. <laughs> yeah, it is mostly just like plot, plot uh, summary and like tying up the loose ends of things. And yeah, the, the art's yeah. pretty, but it's like a really quick. Like all the other ones took a while to read. This one was fairly, fairly quick. Um, yeah. I will say, like, w- I know we're jumping to the end here, but we can talk more about uh, the earlier stuff uh, a little bit, too. But I-, I-, I do like that Desire is just, like, in a kitten outfit. I'm like, I'm here for that. Uh, but what I'm not <laughs> here for is the, uh, the let's just say, the sexual assault that Desire did yeah, on I, his yeah, grandmother. As great. previously stated, uh, I guess we uh, Desire did, in fact, do some things wrong. I retract my my previous words. I had forgotten about that before I read this book. Have, we do not have to hand it to Desire, actually. No, we don't. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, and it's problematic, I think I cat girl. 
Yeah, I mentioned this in um, my last, uh, in the last podcast too, where it's like, uh, I mean, we should also say like, again, this is our like non-binary representation in this comic, which is like implicit in the comic, but in the TV show they make explicit uh, that the mm-hmm. character is non-binary, played by a non-binary actor, Mason Alexander. Yeah, Park. Netflix has one non-binary actor that they, they just tap for everything, I guess. Yeah, to be fair, I actually <laughs> had to interview Mason for the Quantum Leap show. Uh, few, oh, neat. Uh, and they're really nice. Very cool. Very yeah. cool person. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, but, to be uh, fair, I do, I do think they're great. It's just Netflix. Yeah, needs to have more diversity, like more diversity of people for sure. No, I, I don't. I don't mm-hmm. disagree with you. But yeah, yeah, Mason. Mason as a person uh, was very nice. Um, oh yeah. But uh, but yeah, no. Uh, it, it they like make that. Uh, but so it's like again the non-binary rep that we get both implicitly in the comic and explicitly in the show is like also a sexual uh, assaulter, uh, rapist. It's great. It's wonderful. Yeah. And the show is like, uh, and I kind of mentioned this too. Uh, like it's made a little bit even more problematic in the show, uh, where like white actor and they make Rose and her family um, black, and so it's like a white person going and raping a black woman yeah it's mm-hmm. not great. yeah it's not 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 yeah. great looks. Like, i mean it's like, nothing that it's like rape is always bad no matter who it's against but like the implications of that and the history of that is, is yeah the yeah. and it's just like like we could have like evil problematic queer characters but when it's like this is like the only one and it like essentially plays into tropes that straight people feel about queer people as in like the the scary other like the trickster like sexual assault especially yeah it's it's like like, we talked about it sucks we literally had this two issues ago where it's like oh no the scary queers and it's like finally the last kind of scary queer that we didn't get to cover in that issue which is what if the scary queer is hot but tricky Yep. And so it's like, yeah, it's throughout the just these four issues, we've gotten like the murderous, like uh, queer, the like devious sexual assaulter uh, queer, uh, the the dead dehumanized trans person um, just in these three issues. And like we've gotten some like queerness with like two men kissing, but only in a dream and a single panel. And we've also gotten like... um, uh we've also gotten the uh uh why am i blanking the the two girls who are like they're sisters um like sisters um and then and then we also get a drag performer who i i feel uh was pretty cool but also like a lot of what his i'm gonna use he him pretty cool for a landlord yeah you know when he's a landlord he's a landlord and also like his dreams are quite literally like defined by like the anxiety around his identity Rather yeah. than mm-hmm. any sort of like like acceptance or like be, that's just being a part of his identity, it's like defining his identity, yeah, um, yeah. and like a lot of anxiety within that. So yeah, it's it's yeah, it's queer people don't just get to get to be in this uh, in this world outside of like maybe dreams, and when they yeah. are explicit, then it's either defined by anxiety or trauma, or they're terrible people. Yeah, yeah, and like this is the. Not to play devil's advocate or anything. The problem with doing a comic where you only get maybe like 30 pages or whatever. And this this issue is, uh, yeah, like 20, 24 pages or whatever. The problem with that is that you 
you can't have characters just like being when you constantly have to keep the story moving along at a brisk ass clip. So mm-hmm. like on the one like that's on the one hand, but on the other hand, surely we can put queer people in this story and not have them be either evil or fucking victimized. Or, <laughs> surely yeah, yep. we even get like a just to put like a corker on it like when Rose does her whole uh, wrap-up sort of letter that we kind of see a montage of her getting dressed in her new Seattle house over. Uh, we see that she was friends with Judy from 24 Hours, like that Judy. Yeah. Uh, just as like, in case you forgot about this other time, this queer person fucking died. <laughs> um, yep, and it won't be the last. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, the, the point that she takes away from that is like, oh yeah, so... Uh, Remember the time that your friend got killed in that sort of senseless act of bizarrely uh, personal violence? Uh, so there may have also been magic involved there, and you just got to live with the fact that you're never going to just never going to understand what happened there. Even more so now. Good luck. No moral. Yeah. Have fun. Bye. Uh, bye. That sucks. Yeah. It also sucks yeah, that she gets rid of her hair job. I liked her blonde hair with the color highlights. It looked cool. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. different now. She has normal hair now. She's feeling normal, so she needs normal hair. I'm very normal. I'm a very normal person. <laughs> Extremely neurotypical and very hard right now. It's it's a it's an interesting set of issues, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I feel like I'm not doing a great job for explaining why I like the sandwiches. <laughs> I mean, like, is, it's just because, just because you're criticizing something doesn't mean you like we. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it, like the again, fu- we can also talk about like the time period. This was the 1980s, and I will say like it, like not to like give it a pass. Like it's it's definitely there's all these problems inherent within this, and it is a problem. But also mm. like the amount there is like a significant number of queer people, which is uh, like significant for like the 1980s, problematic as it was. Um, yeah. and then also like. There will be comics later that will still have problems, uh, but I think also mm-hmm. have like much more nuance and uh, much more sympathetic things to to say about queer experiences. Like I'm thinking of a game of you, uh, which is mm-hmm. super problematic, but also very empathetic and also oh, like, yeah. gets a lot of things right. I think so. Like I I don't want to like necessarily be like Neil Gaiman's the worst and sucks. Like there are right. there are positives yeah. here and things yeah. to say about it in context, but also it leans into a lot of problematic stuff that like yeah. very clearly right. uh, a cis dude wrote it. <laughs> it's Our cis it's an interesting it. series to look at for those reasons and to, to think about. That's yeah. why it makes for good podcast material. Also, man, panel compositions. Mwah. So good <laughs> from a formalist angle. That's like really reading this book was like, oh, I remember why... I was so magnetized to the series when I was a teenager was because I was like, you can fucking do this shit in comics. Oh, wow. damn. Big brain moment. <laughs> like it was this and like web comics that were like, Oh my God, I can do so much more than I'm doing now. Like specifically the infinite canvas and the potential of that, which mm-hmm. at the time, those were some big ass buzzwords that were going around. Kids don't remember. I remember. I remember. Um, I remember the old days, the olden times, Scott McCloud, hype on microtransactions. Hell yeah, baby. 
That was the doll's house. I thought it was good. I thought it was... I liked it more than Preludes and Nocturnes, if I'm being honest. Yeah, uh, same. I, I personally, I think I like Preludes and Nocturnes more, but I like... Let me put it this way. As a cohesive whole, I like Preludes and Nocturnes more. Uh, I like mm-hmm. elements of this story more. Like, like the heights of this story are better than anything in Preludes and Nocturnes, but I think I like Preludes mm-hmm. and Nocturnes as a, as a whole more, personally. No, that's fair. Because the, the first one's like... Like, that's the origin story. And this one's more like what happens after. And it is mm-hmm. it is a little scattershot, to be frank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but I, I do th- I do agree with you. Like, I think the heights of this one are much, much better. And there's a lot more, there's a lot more, like, specifically to break down and talk about, too. Yeah. There's more, there's more meat on the bones since the, mm-hmm. the bones have or, been laid out, you know. Or, 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 or mm-hmm. less, or, or less if you're, uh, you know, carving it off of your victims. You know, as you as you do, as you do, (laughs) feeding them to my eyeballs. (laughs) I I still think it's a it's a missed opportunity that they didn't have Corinthian like drink orange juice with one eyeball and then spit it out of the other. I'm just saying. Yeah, or like eat watermelon and then have him spit out the seeds with his eyes. That would have been cool. Yo, Neil, if you're doing this, uh, if you're remastering it for Sandman 2, uh, get on this shit. Yeah, get on it. I know you're on uh, Mastodon now. I'm gonna at you directly. Don't. You do it. Do it. That's scary. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't need him knowing. I don't need him knowing about our podcast. That's, that's terrible. It's, I don't want him to know I exist. I treat all famous people like animals in the wild, where it's like, <laughs> if, if I ever run into them, Either I will die or they will die. So I mean, I mean, I've never I met need... or talked to him, but I do have only one degree of separation from him. If I really wanted to, that's scary. Because <laughs> I have a friend who I know has had lunch with him and has his number. <laughs> Wild, terrifying. Uh, well, yeah. I know we're one degree away from car seat headrest. We could have him and yeah. car seat headrest fight. Yeah. I think I'm two degrees away from Chelsea Manning, so Ooh, which means I you're am... three degrees away from from Elon Musk. Oh God! Iris, Ray, do something about Twitter. I met Chelsea Manning. I'm trying, uh, and I and I I know that she follows me on Twitter, which you oh, that's, know, that's cool. That, that currency yeah. won't matter much in a little while, but <laughs> <laughs> my clout score is gonna drop like a rock. Oh no! I know it sucks. <laughs> We live uh, in the weirdest timeline. We do. We, sure we really do. do. Yeah. Anyways, this has been Sand Job. Be sure to come yeah. back next time when we're going to be reviewing the entirety of Book Three, Dream Country, which is only a scant four issues long. So, uh, oh. yeah, no, it's a short one. But oh. uh, there are four very seminal issues, one of which won a Hugo. So that's a pretty big deal. Mm. Um, and the other, another one of which is about uh, talking cats. So, you know, that one's going to be extremely important. And we're going to be talking about okay. that one for a while. Of course, the other two yeah. are just mid. But the talking cats one and the one that won the Hugo, those are the good ones. Get ready for that. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. You can find us online at sandjob.xyz or xyz. If you're a British person, um, in addition, we have a Twitter at Sandjob Pod. We have Mastodon at 
sandjob at mass.to. I'm going to be getting a co-host soon. Uh, hey, Nero, remind me, what's the email address that we have for Sanjob through the website? Do we have that yet? Uh, Did we set that up? Yeah, yeah. It's just mail at sandjob.xyz. Mail at sandjob.xyz. So if you have any thoughts about these issues, feel free to send them in. Uh, we love reading fan mail on the air, and I'm excited to get some in the future. If, um, if it sucks, though, I'm going to delete it and make fun of you, though. That is <laughs> wow. true. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Uh, if you send us things that are mean, I'll make fun of you. I don't yeah. care. I got my, I got, I got some email death threats, so that's always fun. And those are always <laughs> oh gross. Yeah, yeah uh, that's fun. I'm gonna give them an email death threat. I'm gonna reach through the computer and beat their asses. Uh, <laughs> speaking of beating ass, I'm Iris J. You can find me online at irisj.net or on Twitter, Mastodon, or co-host at Iris J Comics. Uh, I also have another podcast called Disc Coverers, where we talk about Terry Pratchett's Discworld books. You can find that at anchor.fm slash discpod. Uh, my thing that I'm going to recommend this episode that isn't Sandman, um, since we're going to be getting into talking more about Hell soon, I want to recommend Evan Dom's book, The Harrowing of Hell, which is an adaptation of christian apocrypha about jesus's descent into hell uh after his crucifixion um it's a really fascinating sort of perspective on who jesus was and what the world's response to him was and evan dom's artwork is really lush and like really vibrant it's a beautiful book if you can get it in physical form do so it's all black and white brushwork except for the parts in hell which are this like bright like deep blood red and um very very intense and thoughtful book about the kind of stories that we tell about jesus and who he really was and like what what we kind of make excuses of doing in his name uh Hmm. i really loved it i i'm like i'm like a secret slut for that kind of bullshit so like (laughs) like it was so good (laughs) great comicking great cartooning all right shit that sounds great um, I am Jesse. You can find me on the YouTubes at Jesse Gender, where I do uh, video essay type of stuff. Um, coming, you'll this will be up if by the end of November, right? Um, so oh yeah, v- videos that I'm working on. I have a horror, a transgender focused horror video that should be out or Ooh. be coming out by the time you listen to this. Um, mm. and then next month I got some comedy Star Trek stuff that I'm going to be doing, as well as a big video essay on the um. The intersections between racism, transphobia, and uh, algorithms, artificial intelligence Ooh. algorithms, which will be a fun video that I'm doing. Uh, and then oh, I got some videos really coming. Good. Yeah, it's it's really fun. And then and then um, I just started writing uh, this week uh, a two video essay that'll probably be coming in January that will be breaking down monomyths in Star Wars, Joseph Campbell's monomyth, both in, mm-hmm. in the story of Star Wars itself. And 
as well as in George Lucas's life and how it all leads to fascism, baby. Um, oh boy! <laughs> so it's it's a it's a fun video series, and then how and then talking about Star Wars Andor, which is uh, I think fucking great. Speaking of recommendations, I'm gonna do two real quick just because they're Ooh, on my okay. brain. Star Feel Wars free. and Star Wars Andor. Um, mm-hmm. Watch the sh- I I have hated not hated. I've been very meh on Disney Star Wars stuff because it is like sort of like here's capitalism we strip the meaning from things and just regurgitate mm. nostalgia to you but Star mm-hmm. Wars Andor is fucking the shit it is one of the mm. best shows I've ever seen in my life it gets like very, it is super anti-totalitarian and anti-fascist to the point where it's like it really understands how to make collective action and like it's really focused on people like mm. how how people within systems are ultimately all miserable uh, when it's for fascism and like how fascists are also all just miserable little people just trying to please their bosses <laughs> and just in the process of trying to please their bosses they commit horrible atrocities um yeah. it's i did really, hear that really... the, i heard the showrunner of that is the guy who did michael clayton yes and that was a it, cool it movie so yes it is it is very very good like there's literally like there's a whole character who's a little incel dude who just like he's a fake rent he's like a rent-a-cop dude who loses his job because he tries to push his power on other other people then he goes home and his mother is just this like person who just like constantly is like you're not wearing your your collar's not the right way and just like makes and he just like goes to his room with his little action fingers and he eats cereal with blue milk in it and it's just like oh you are just <laughs> like you are quite literally the incel fastest dude who feels disenfranchised from the system and likes to take it out on people smaller than him so he can feel like he has a purpose in life um it is it so understands it and it like it's it's such a fucking great show uh andy circus is in it it has the best fucking arc in in anything ever i i cannot extol the virtues of star wars andor enough and i say that as someone who has not liked pretty much i like i've i've, I've like enjoyed passively a lot of disney star mm. wars stuff but i have not loved any of it and it this is this is fantastic uh okay. secondly I'm also playing God of War Ragnarok right now, and that game is also very much down for the workers' revolution. There is literally a mission in that game where you go around the Dwarven realm, breaking Odin's means of production that he forced upon the doors by telling them work or die, uh, and making it sound like, they literally explicitly say, like, he told them work or die and made it sound like a choice when it obviously really wasn't, Uh, and then you are sort of giving, like, like clash consciousness to the dwarves to rise up against uh, the, uh, basically, CEO Odin. And it's fucking great. Shit. That game is, that... is very based. Okay, i've I've been excited about that game for a while. So oh, I'm it is it is incredible. Like literally, you can voice acting. Oh, it does. And it got great mm. acting across the board. And but quite literally, like some of the stuff you find, like the the collectibles, if you read it, it's literally just like doors being like, yeah, let's basically form our own version of like Dwarven Karl Marx, like that, just like getting Karl Marx like like theory in like Ragnarok setting in like a God of War Norse mythological context. It's great. Uh, yeah. so it's wonderful and I'm sure like I'm, I'm sure all the gamer bros out there will completely miss the fucking point uh, but, I, oh, but I'm there are no it. politics in games I don't, oh yeah I don't what know is poli- you well, get your politics out of my games I'm just here doing this side mission where I'm blowing up Odin's means of production you know it's fine <laughs> <laughs> all I know is I heard Sungwon Cho is a little squirrel man and oh he I is want to see he's that. in it he's yeah. in it as a, little oh. squ- as a little squirrel dude and he's great yeah I'm pogging in real life. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, I might I might pick that up after we get off the fucking podcast. Holy it's, shit. I, it's so good. I felt bad because I've been playing it, and then I realized, like, I wish I was streaming this so I could, like, be with other people experiencing this. So I might stream later tonight some of it because it's it's oh, very good. And I fun. feel bad I haven't been streaming it from the beginning. I've been feel, I feel kind of bad about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fine. That's okay. I know, I know, but I also just like sharing fun stuff because yeah. it's so fucking good. Anyways. Uh, I'm Nero. You can find all my stuff at itsnero.com. All my social medias are on there. Uh, I draw gay pornography, though, so if you're <laughs> under 18, and I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you are, but don't don't look at it. Um, I have a recommendation for this week. Uh, if you go to google.com and you type in backer kit and then you type in monster girlfriend you will be brought to the backer kit crowdfund for the smut peddler 10th anniversary book and the my monster girlfriend anthology both of which are porn anthologies uh my monster girlfriend both iris and i have comics in uh they're very good uh and every pledge that that is brought to this gives me an iris kickback so you know wink yeah, yeah. thank you for reminding me thank you for reminding to to promote that because i totally <laughs> fucking forgot but yeah my monster yeah. girlfriend it's great get get yourself some like my monster girlfriend is the sequel to the my monster boyfriend anthology so it's all like lesbian monster porn uh, yeah it's pretty good nero doesn't usually draw lesbian porn at all and the comic he drew porn. for it is so hot it's so good mine is oh. called flesh hive and it's 32 pages of like black magic trans dyke polyamory uh so if that's your thing you know it's good also i thought you were going to start this by saying if you go to google and type in the word insects you will be bouncing off the walls with excitement <laughs> so that's that's where my brain's at today i see uh yeah my comic's about like a like a a alien who got uh kicked from her colony for starting a socialist revolution and lives with like this like old ass scientist woman and they have like wacky sex and the one editor uh my wonderful friend amanda lafrene said it had superb fisting so that's going on my business card yeah, now <laughs> it really does you know there's so much media coming out that's about socialist revolutions that's kind of weird i don't yeah, think about that strange. too hard though just, oh well yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just, it's just uh sure how that's a recurring theme like a motif yeah. Yeah, people are speaking to something that people are feeling right now. Yeah. 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 Mm. Oh. Uh. Anyways. Don't analyze it. Catch us next time. Yeah. Until next time, folks. Uh, we'll see you for Dream Country. Until then, sleep well and sweet dreams. Woo! Woo!